This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Good morning and welcome everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's not a building, of course, it's with God's people, which is great, isn't it? Praise the Lord. So let's, before, I'm going to be, you know where we are, aren't you? <laughs> you know what my message is going to be, be on? It's the, it's the next part of Luke chapter 13. Um, but before we look at that, let's just uh, pray. <clears throat> Father, I just thank and praise you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. Lord, I thank you that your word says that you never leave us nor forsake us, even unto the end of the age. And uh, Father, I would just pray about this word for us. Lord, I would just pray some of the words that Paul wrote in Ephesians. Father, that uh, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and we would know the hope of our calling. And what is the glorious inheritance in the saints and your unsurpassed great power toward us who believe? And uh, just open our eyes, Lord, to your word. And uh, may each one of us take away that which is for us today. And Lord, I thank you that that's just going to be different for every person because we're all different. But Lord, you love each one of us here, whether they know you or not, whether we know you or not, you still love us. And we just give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. Amen. Praise God. Cool. Um, just as uh, we were in the worship time now, I just felt there's somebody either watching or online or maybe you're in the room and you've just been suffering from exhaustion. It, it, that's the only way I can describe it. You just feel tired constantly. Um, so I'm just going to pray for you right now. So rather than embarrassing anybody and saying, come up, I'm just going to pray uh, right now for you, okay? Whether you're online and maybe it could be somebody watching in, in a year's time and it's true for them too, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Father, I just thank you that it's a quickened word. Lord, I just pray for whoever it is, maybe it's more than one person, Lord, that's feeling that exhaustion, that tiredness. Lord, I would just uh, say to you, it's not ME. Uh, Satan's been lying to you that it's ME, it's not. And I would just speak the life of Christ into your body in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And I would just uh, say, strength where there's been no strength, wholeness where there's been no wholeness, health where there's been no health, in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for that work. I thank you for that work in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So if that's you and you're watching online, please let us know. Give us your testimony. It's info at the, at the Hope Church, the hope.church. It's our email. Info at the hope.church. Got it. Okay, Luke chapter 13. So uh, Mark finished on verse 17. We're starting at verse 18. And uh, we're looking at two parables. I always want to say parable when I say parable. I don't know why that is. <clears throat> I'm very old, you see. <laughs> I remember something called parables. Yeah, never mind. 
where are you going with this, Dave? It was like Mark talking about Uber last week. I was thinking, where are you going with this one, Mark? But actually, it was really good. So it's excellent. Okay, Luke 13, and uh, reading from verse 18 through to 21. Then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till all was leavened. Okay, so two parables about the kingdom of God. And uh, the verse begins, then he said. So just to remind ourselves of some context here. So Jesus has just been in the synagogue, you might remember from last week. And um, he loosed this woman that had had this spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And then he, he, he ticks the, uh, the Pharisees off, the, the, the leaders and the people in the synagogue, uh, for their attitude towards what he was doing. So the implication is, is that he's talking to the people in the synagogue. He's still in the synagogue. When he says, then he said, what is the kingdom of God like? So, what is the kingdom of God? So before we get to what is the kingdom of God like, let's try and talk about what is the kingdom of God. Now, you can go and buy books on this subject, all right? Um, for uh, some years ago, there was a, a thing going around called Kingdom Now. There's a lot of talk about Kingdom Now. Um, so what is it all about? Well, what's the three things that I talk about when we talk about interpreting Scripture? I talk about the three C's of interpretation. So C, context. C for context. So uh, what does the context look like? What's around it? Stuff like that. What's covenant? What covenant are we talking about? Because different things apply to different covenants. So Mark spoke last week. He mentioned very briefly, we don't have to worry about the way in which we weave cloth because that's part of the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. And then the third one is comparison. Okay, so we use scripture to interpret scripture. Um, and the kingdom of God as a phrase is mentioned. I used in my app on my phone, I counted 68 times in the New Testament. So the kingdom of God is mentioned 68 times. And I started thinking, how many times have I heard a message on the kingdom of God? So 68 times, um, all but 15 of them is in the Gospels. And in fact, we get 31 times in Luke's Gospel. So 31 times we see the phrase, kingdom of God. So I just thought it would be quite good to pick up a few of those verses in Luke, because that's where we are. Um, some we've looked at already, and some is in the future. So in an episode coming soon. Yeah. Um, so we'll look at just four different occurrences of the phrase kingdom of God and try to just tease out uh, uh, what, what it means for us. Okay, first one, uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, speaking of Jesus. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So, the kingdom of God is something that's preached, which is quite interesting, isn't it? The kingdom of God is something that's preached. The word for here for preach um, 
it literally means to announce good news. Sometimes it's, inter- it's translated as uh, preach the gospel or announce the gospel. So you, in, in Dave Jones' translation, you could maybe say, I must announce the good news of the kingdom of God. I must talk about, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. So it's, the kingdom of God is something we preach. Okay, I'll close all the loops in a minute, just bear with me. Okay, next one, Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 30 to 31. Uh, For all these things the nations of the world seek after. For all these things, it's talking about material need. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So the kingdom of God is something to be sought. It's something to be sought. So if it's something to be sought, then we need to understand what it is, don't we? Because how do we seek something we don't know what it is? Anyway. Um, some in, in the par- one of the parallel passages in Matthew 13, um, it says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is quite interesting. Because it doesn't say, seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness. It's seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, for us New Testament believers, um, our righteousness is of him. Um, I, don't, I don't have the slide here, but 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus was on the cross, he took all my sin so I could have his righteousness. So I come to God completely empty-handed. I just come in what Jesus has bought for me because I stand in his righteousness. So that's why it says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness because we can now say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Incredible thought, isn't it? And you you must be because the Holy Spirit wouldn't be able to come into a dirty vessel. So right in your heart, you must be clean. Your, if you like, your spirit must be, well, your spirit's reborn. Where are you going with this, Dave? <laughs> but it's the idea, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And sometimes we do things and it doesn't look like we're righteous. That's because we still have to work that stuff out through our flesh. We still have to start behaving as if we're the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm going ahead of myself. Okay, Luke Chapter 13, another one. So we've seen uh, the kingdom of God is something to be preached. The kingdom of God is something to seek. Luke 13. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and from the west, from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. So this, this one's coming soon. Come into, come, in, come into hope soon. Somebody will be preaching on this. So I'm not going to talk about thrust out. Okay. <laughs> but what we see here is that the kingdom of God is a place where we go and sit. Now sit implies rest. Okay. When you st- st- if you're standing, you're doing something. But when you're sat, you're in a place of rest. So the kingdom of God is somewhere where you go and sit, where you go and rest. Um, and there will be people from all over because of course um, 
it's all the Gentile nations, isn't it? That I think that's being spoken of there. A future place. A future place. Okay, that must have blown the minds of the religious leaders uh, at the time. Okay, number four, Luke uh, 17. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, hang on. <laughs> okay. So the kingdom of God is somewhere we, somewhere that we preach, something we seek. It's clearly a place, maybe at some point in the future, and the kingdom of God is within us. Okay. So, so what's the pattern in all this, Pastor Dave? Okay. It's the reign of God. It's the reign of God. Not R-A-I-N. R-E-I-G-N. Okay. It's the reign of God. And it's, it's the domain or dominion where God is reigning. Okay. So when uh, Jesus loosed that woman... Um, he was demonstrating the reign of God in that situation. He was demonstrating the kingdom of God in operation in that situation. And that's why he says, then the kingdom of God. Um, so, how does this apply to us? Okay, what's the three C's again? Okay, context, uh, covenant, comparison. So for this one, it's covenant. So in terms of covenant, where are we? Okay, where are we? Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. So Jesus is ministering as a prophet under the old covenant. Okay, he's the spotless lamb of God. His, his blood is, uh, is not touched by sin, but he's ministering as a prophet under the old covenant. Um, so he's not gone to the cross. So what does this mean for us about the kingdom of God? Well, we're not left in the dark, okay? Um, Colossians 1.13 says this. Uh, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm excited, okay. Just, just think about this one. Okay, say has. Everybody say has. Has. Okay, what tense is has? Past, thank you. It's past tense. He has delivered. That means we've been set free from. And that was what Mark was talking about last week, wasn't it? He was talking about four different areas of freedom. It's incredible. Very good. So we, we have been delivered. It says we have been delivered. Past tense. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. Okay, we have been delivered. We have been delivered. We have been delivered and conveyed. My translation of King James says, translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I would suggest that's the kingdom of God. Okay. So, we now have a legal right. Okay, we now have a legal right to exercise the authority that Jesus had in his name. Okay? Because we're Christians. Okay? You're looking at me blankly, okay? Wind the tape back a bit, Dave. Okay. 
when we're born again, we get filled with his spirit. And it says that Jesus, the word of God says that he has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. Think about that. That's the spirit of Jesus on the inside of us. Okay, the spirit of Jesus is inside you. Okay, that's not blasphemy, that's Bible. Okay. So, now as Christians, we are legally entitled to use the name of Jesus. Okay? So when we see situations that do not line up uh, with the word of God, then we can use the name of Jesus. And Mark talked about that last week. With the, the, the lady with the spirit of infirmity, okay? That, that it, it wasn't just medical problem. There, there was something else going on there, wasn't there? And she needed to be set free. And it required uh, a voice of authority. And you and I now have that. Okay, You and I can now speak to situations. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Okay, He didn't pray to God about the fig tree. He spoke to the fig tree. And he said, let no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And when Peter... Uh, when the disciples, they came back and they saw the fig tree was cursed from the root up. They said, look at the fig tree that you cursed. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And when Lazarus came out of the tomb, when he was raised from the dead, Jesus basically said to God, Lord, I just thank you, you heard me. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke the word. So, so now as God's people, we have the legal right and entitlement to speak the word of God in the name of Jesus and expect things to happen. And believe me, I've seen a lot of things happen over the years. Okay, a lot, a lot of lost situations, I've seen people set free. Um, yeah, anyway, including myself. <laughs> uh, Ephesians says this. It takes it even further. Okay? Ephesians speaks of us now being seated in heavenly places. But God who is rich in mercy, this is Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through to 7. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Thank you, Jesus. It's not through works. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So this is a mystery, isn't it? So in some way that we are now, or some part of us is somehow seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Work that one out. <laughs> But that's the plain reading of the text. That is the plain reading of the text. So, all things are under Jesus' feet. So, all things are under my feet. Isn't that what the word says? Incredible. So, we're from a different country. Okay, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We carry a passport for another place. Okay, and the exhortation of God's word is don't get too embroiled in the place. Really, we've got a job here to do. Okay, and our job is to share the love of Jesus with people. Okay, God's word talks about Jesus reconciling the world and to himself in the cross. And then it goes on. So, 
uh, we exhort you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Sorry, King James again. <laughs> That's the Bible I normally use, you see. I've done it for years. Um, so the exhortation is for us to challenge people to be reconciled to God. And to, you know, just pray for those opportunities um, and situations where you find yourself in. Yeah, do it. <laughs> and then we can just, just wrap this thing up and we can all go home and be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, amazing. So, kingdom of God is uh, the reign of God in our lives and around us. And we are now, in a way, in the kingdom of God. Um, and we have to exercise that authority that we have in the world around us and in the lives of the people that we see when we pray and we encounter situations that need breakthrough. Okay, parables. Great, okay. <laughs> there, Steve, a couple of weeks ago, I think he said about the difficulty in parables. I can, I'm with you, Steve, all right, mate? <laughs> Um, I guess the clue is that they're, they're deliberately difficult. <laughs> okay? and they're intended to be difficult. I wanted to use the phrase obfuscated. It's not obfuscated, it's just difficult. Um, Luke uh, chapter 8 verse 10 says this. <clears throat> and he said, To you it has been given, he's talking to the disciples, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Great. So a parable per definition is not to be understood. Or is hard to understand. And these two are no exception. <laughs> so thanks for giving me two. Mark, I appreciate that, Beck. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I th you know, as we look at these things, obviously we have to pray for God's insight. And uh, I, I have... Uh, two kind of opposing views um, on what the parables mean, which, which I'll, I'll, share, I'll share with you. But in a sense, there's things that I teach. So when I'm teaching, those, those are the things that I'm held accountable for before God, if you like. And then there's things that I'm just sharing, okay? Um, because I'm not confident enough as what the truth is uh, to teach it. Um, so I'm sharing with you now what I found uh, rather than teaching this, okay? So I'm not qu quite sure how this all hangs together. And, uh, uh, well, I'll give it to you to, to, to try and work out too. But we just, yeah, that's why I prayed for his wisdom, please, Lord. Okay, so look at, let's look at the first parable. Um, uh, verse 19, it's like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden. Uh, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air rested in its branches. Okay, so what's the characteristic of mustard seed? So mustard seed is something that's very, very small. Um, and when it grows, it grows into quite a large bush. Um, I wrote sort of 10 feet down here, which I guess is like three meters, yeah, um, in new money. Um, so you've got this thing going from something very small, very tiny actually, to something that's quite big. So I guess the traditional view is that it's talking about the kingdom of God growing. Okay? It starts off with very small beginnings um, and it grows and grows um, from that uh, uh, initially not even being seen 
to something that's quite large. Um, and then I read uh, another commentator, right at the other end of the spectrum, if you like, um, who has a very different view. Um, and for him, uh, the interesting part was about the birds nesting in the branches. So in Matthew 13, if you look at the, the, the same parable from Matthew 13, just before this, we've got the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, the birds is a picture of the devil. <laughs> so, so, so what does that mean then, to have birds come in and nesting in the tree? So what this particular commentator said, and as I say, I'm sharing this, okay? I'm not teaching it. He, what he thought was that the church would grow and grow, and then in the latter days, there would be corruption within the church. Uh, and that's what he saw. He, so he saw it more as a prophetic, I guess, um, than actually an analogy for what the, what the kingdom of God is like. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Take your pick. I think I'd prefer the more optimistic view. So, the second uh, parable, verse 20. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, to, to, the, to the hearers, um, their brains are going to go on tilt. All right? Because leaven is generally a picture of evil. Um, in, in, the, in the Passover meal, they eat unleavened bread. The idea was that leaven represented not good things. <laughs> so, so having this passage as a good passage, uh, having this example of leaven as good leaven, would be the only example. Um, so again, this, this commentator with a less optimistic view, he just, he just saw that it was a picture of corruption within the church. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. I, I think what Jesus was trying to do is he was trying to catch the attention of his hearers by using leaven as an example. The other thing here is the amount of, of flour. Okay, it's three measures of meal. Three measures. So apparently three measures of meal is over 40 liters of flour. So I, I did a quick search for it and I managed to find someone who actually said how much bread that would make. So they reckon that would make 52 loaves. That's 26 batches of bread. 52 loaves, each loaf weighing about a pound and a half. So this is serious stuff, okay? This is not a woman that's just kind of making bread for her family. Um, or even the whole village, maybe. So this commentator... One of the better commentators, okay? He put it like this. What's the message of the story? It's simple. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who wants to do more than feed her family. The kingdom announced by Jesus is like a woman who wants to feed the village. The kingdom of God is like a woman who wants to feed the world. The kingdom is for everybody. And that just sits better with me <laughs> as an interpretation. But as I say, not teaching it, just sharing it. So, two parables. Two parables. So, what's clear 
What's clear is uh, in the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus spoke about praying, thy kingdom come, didn't he? Uh, we talk about thy kingdom come, so we're, we're, we're praying for God's kingdom. So we're praying for God's kingdom to be expanded in people's hearts. We're praying for the expression of God's kingdom through his people to, to widen. And we're praying for the second coming, basically, because we're praying for his kingdom to come. And when Jesus comes back, it's not a savior, but it will be to judge the people that have not responded to him. So that then comes right round to us again, having this urgency to talk to others about Jesus. Praise God. Well, I hope you got something out of it this morning. Let's pray. Praise you in the wonderful name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Father, I just thank and praise you for your word. I thank you uh, that your word will accomplish that for which it was sent. Uh, Father, I would just thank you that I just pray for each person here. And Lord, that they would just take away that which you want them to hear. What is for them individually in, in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. And uh, Lord, uh, I would just pray for each person that we'd each have a really good week. In Jesus' name, I would just uh, uh, help each one of us to have that wisdom that is from you um, in our work situations and in the situations in which we find ourselves in, in our home life. And wherever we happen to be, Lord, that we would just know your hand and, and your touch and your wisdom in the situations we find ourselves in. And we would have those opportunities to just share something with you in Jesus' mind.